G'day, g'day, guys. I am coming in hot to you today, fresh from my lounge room, surrounded by sick little people. But regardless, the podcast must go out because I am so fluffing pumped to bring this conversation to you today and introduce you to, if you aren't already following, Emily Ehlers from Eco with M on Instagram. That's her handle. She is honestly such a cool human. She is living her sole purpose. She is all about sustainability. She is all about caring for our environment. She has traveled to Bataan on this pursuit, which look, let's just, you need to hear it from her. Introducing Eco with M. Thank you so, so much for joining us here today. I'm so excited to finally be able to pin you down and get you on the podcast. Oh, me too. And um, as I've said, I'm sorry that I sound like a man because of my head cold. (laughs) You're in good company. It's totally fine. We embrace the snot here. Um, So I have been such a huge fan of yours for years now, thanks to the World Wide Web. And you are for sure a queen of the pivot. (laughs) <laughs> yes, I've I've had a few kind of um, a few different roles online. Yeah, the but there's been years. one super strong thread that's been woven into everything that you do, and it's being such an epic advocate for the environment. So talk us through how you got here. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I started blogging just as a fun thing about ten years ago, which freaks me out. I can't even believe it's been that long. Um, <laughs> And I just had this little blog called um, Olive on Blonde and I was writing just about trying. I mean, I've always been environmentally aware, um, but this was like really experimenting with, it wasn't called zero waste then, but with zero waste practices. Yeah. Um, and then, so that kind of, that opened the world of blogging up to me and online relationships as well, because people would get in contact and I'd go and speak at festivals and things like that. Um, so it was really fun. Then, um, then what happened? Then I got hit with a massive bout of, I call it crapathy, but it was (laughs) like, I got so swept up in the doom and gloom of the world that I kind of like, I just lost the, lost the hope, I guess. Mm Um, and it happened when I was standing, no, I wasn't standing. I was walking through a shopping, um, center and I got into the, the tuna aisle. And yeah, and I just watched a documentary about um, about overfishing, and I was vegan at the time, and I just walked in and I just saw this like massive wall of tuna, and I was just like, oh my god! Like every supermarket in every suburb in every country, and I just it literally exploded my brain, and I I like ran out crying. <laughs> it was so embarrassing. Um, <laughs> And after that, I just kind of like, I gave up a little bit and I, I went, um, I saw mental health as a bit of a boom industry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, well, if the planet's going to be destroyed. So I went and did my health coaching um, certificate. Yeah. Um, and I, I loved that. I mean, I love the kind of um, 
synchronicity between like how we look after ourselves and how we look after the planet. And I, I kind of kept coming back to the sustainability thing. Um, and then I was, I, I started copywriting cause health coaching wasn't really my jam. Yeah. And yeah, then, then I just, I, like, I just kept thinking about it and then I kind of got over that apathy sort of thing. And I started thinking a lot more about messaging because I was doing it for so many clients and, um, and yeah, so I kind of, kind of decided to just see, see if I could kind of make a more hopeful, empowering, um, environmental message and put it out there. And um, sorry, I'm really babbling on, but no, the, I'm loving it. Oh, <laughs> I'm like, um, I remember bits and pieces of this. I so. know it's so funny, and it's just as you said, like there's been that common thread, and I just kind of kept coming back to to the environment, and so. Um, uh, in the end, I got my ass into gear and went. Decided to go back to uni because I really wanted to to make um, fighting for the environment my life. So I was doing um, sustainability, and then what happened? Then also, I, I, oh, when I take notes, I draw. I draw them. So I was drawing all my notes, and I just decided to start sharing them, and that's when everything really took off. Like I, I even. So, like, my most popular illustration that, that I've done probably is the how to store food without plastic. So good. And, oh, I, I wasn't even going to share it. I, I honestly, I was like, oh, this is a bit silly, da-da-da, um, and then shared it, and it just went bananas. So, so yeah, it's been, it's, it's been interesting, an interesting journey. <laughs> it's awesome because you do do it. Like, the, the way that you do share, for anyone who isn't following Eco with M on Instagram, get on it now because you do make, especially if you're a visual person like I am, and, mm. I mean, you're on Instagram. You That's how we, like, it's visual. Yeah. So yes. <laughs> um, the messages that are coming through are really powerful but humorous and, like, um, that whole one about breaking up with plastic where yes. you had all the different little, like, the cigarette butts were, like <laughs> – breaking yeah. out oh I don't know you've got to check it out you'll find it you'll see what I mean and it was just it adds that light um spin on things but it's also bringing awareness to a really huge topic so you've also coined the terms such as celery boner and mentosa just to name a couple and I absolutely love you for it you add humor to what is such a weighty subject and it yeah. brings lightness to so many heavy fluffing situations so what are some of the areas that you see that we are screwing up the world like, oh, like just an easy question yeah, yeah. where do I start where do um I... it's so I kind of focus on two things I, I think we've got to um use our individual choices and our collective voices so I, I'm like where in terms of individual obviously plastic is a huge one because it takes so many um this is not news to anyone it takes hundreds and hundreds of years to biodegrade it's smashing our oceans mm -hmm. um so that's one that's one step that I think that you can really really make a difference is just kind of like investigating new ways to be in the world where you're not getting plastic wrapped everything um but then there's also the systemic sort of things like I know we've mentioned the Adani mine um mm things like that, not getting more involved in those things because the Adani mine, which is proposed in Queensland, is just, I mean, that's a, a 
massive, massive deal and we all need to be telling our politicians um, and our council members and everyone who will listen that we're not okay with opening a coal mine up like that. It's beyond my comprehension. So let's talk about that for a second because I I was just touching on this before when we were um, warming up and I'm like, no, 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 we need to talk about this on the podcast. Um, mm. Like it's a really challenging thing because obviously many of our generation are becoming aware Um, through amazing people like yourself and I know Sarah Mm. Wilson does a lot for it and um, there's a whole variety of other names that are just like out the window at the moment in my brain (laughs) but so we are becoming we're getting information trickled to us like that but like I was saying I am having so many discussions with my like parents generation and people um, of that scope that have no idea and they're only getting like a filtered sample of what's going on that the media um, who are often like funded by a lot of these huge you know how it's all interwebbed and connected and yes, so we're only yeah. seeing a really small part if you're watching only mainstream news yeah. as to what's going on but in actual fact this whole Adani disaster has huge ramifications on the environment and the media tends to just be pushing like, but you're going to get 1,500 jobs. Yeah, yeah. What are some of like, talk us through that. Like like obviously you've got an amazing, it's like eight or six or eight tiles that talk yep. us through the detailed um, breakdown of how like fucked it really is. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, for people listening who haven't seen that, like what is oh, actually so- going on there? So they're wanting to open up um, the Adani Carmichael um, mine in the Galilee Basin, which is in Queensland. And it's just, firstly, it's a coal mine. So yeah. everywhere else is kind of like Germany is just, um, I think, cancelled all plans for any coal mines, like put a ban on the table. So all these countries are doing these amazing things and, Australia is just deciding to to open this dodgy mine up that has the potential. Well, it will cancel out our chances for keeping under the four percent of warming that we're heading for mm. for the planet. And just when you look into it, it's just it's outrageous. And I couldn't even fit all the information on there. But from the two hundred and seventy billion liters of water they're going to drain from the Great Artesian Basin, I mean that's just Again, water, we've got water scarcity in so many places. So many people don't even have clean drinking water and there we are about to tap this thing. Um, the only way to transport the coal, um, 70% of it's going to be exported. The only way to get it out is via the Great Barrier Reef, which we all know is is also struggling. Um, it's just... It, and even from the, the, the perspective of the local communities, so... There's this kind of myth about oh well mining mining is the backbone of Australia and we're gonna we're gonna in, enrich the communities that we we put the mines in, but in reality there's so many farmers and people from these towns that that say that the, the mines actually destroy their towns because all the infrastructure gets put in place the rents skyrocket like up in the Pilbara um, mm-hmm. which is in WA. It's something stupid like $1,600 a week in rent because of the mining. Yeah, and and even like the transportation, like the trucks going through these towns, um, 
just killing the roads and then the council has to pay for them and it's just this it, it it's just this myth there's there's a uh, podcast episode on uh conversations with richard feidler mm-hmm. and it's coral and coal i think it's called so search for that because she um has done this it's, it's i can't remember her name but she's she's filling in for richard and she goes into the town and she really speaks to them all about the effects it's had and kind of busts that myth that we need mining. It's it's beyond my comprehension that they're even considering it. <laughs> I just don't – I'm the same. Like, and the more that I started asking questions about it and looking at it and then um, having conversations about it with, like, my parents and things who just – who – I completely have no idea, like, bless them, like, and then mm. it's really hard not to get frustrated yes. and trying to explain, and that's not helping anyone. They just go, oh, here she goes again, yeah. sort of things. So, um, yeah, it's it just I can't understand how it's getting passed or it's been passed. Or, it's, I- it's, it's clear the um, – the last kind of environmental hurdle. It's still got some some um, jumps that it needs to do before it's going to be put through, and that's why. Um, like there's a quote that says, um, "The power of the people is stronger than the people in power," Ooh. and I think, oh, I love it. And it's just, I think that's so important to remember because we tend to forget that the politicians actually work for us. Yes, <laughs> like they're they're meant to be facilitating better lives for for us and therefore the only way with these sort of things like this is where I'm talking about their individual choices and and collective voices like sure do the plastic let that sort of attitude infuse your whole life but then you've got to stand up and say no this isn't this isn't right and even like there's a documentary um uh, two actually one called frack man Mm-hmm. Um, and that is about, uh, well, I mean, that's, that's not a coal mine, that's fracking mine. Um, but it's about what they're doing in, in Australia. And this, this guy who, who makes himself into this alter ego of frack man and <laughs> he show he shows how you can kind of stand up. Um, and also Gasland, um, which is the kind of the American version. Yeah. So you need to get as educated as possible and then find these communities of of people that are, that are doing the same and, and join them. So in terms of everyone who's listening, what could they potentially do if like, obviously check out a few of the resources that you've just mentioned. Yeah. Definitely go to your page and read up on that. And then what is something else that they could do to Um, like be heard? Yes. So the stop Adani dot com i think it's dot com or it's on my page but if you go there they have local groups mm-hmm. and they're all around and you can join them and you don't i mean there's you don't have to go to a weekly meeting or anything but it <laughs> but it just means you're going to get that notification when there are rallies and like go and be present and get get inspired to fight with people and <laughs> that sounds really awful fight with people um, but, but connect alongside Yes, yes. Uh, Get to those things. Like, and I think it's it's amazing to take your kids along to that because I know that there'll be a lot of mothers listening. I've taken Lucy and Toby to heaps of rallies, and they're they're inspiring places because these are the people that are going to be dealing with this stuff. And and we really need to kind of like imbue that 
that spirit of looking after our planet into them. Like they're yeah. not obviously they're not violent places. These aren't violent protests, but <laughs> it's just ama- it's amazing to 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 show them that you, you do have a voice and you do matter and, and to not be so apathetic, which I think that older generation that you're talking about, I have similar conversations with um, people in my life that are of the older generation <laughs> and they'll say things like, but what about the jobs? And I'm like, yeah, but what yeah. about the, the oxygen? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm like. How great would it be? Like what good is your job if yeah. like you you can't, go to work because there's no earth yeah like, that's the thing you, you can't you can't have a job on a, on or a it's planet. too like, hot like it's outrageous and that's um, why i love greta thunberg as well like her going why the hell should i get an education when i don't have a future because you guys aren't standing up and and making these changes for us I had the funniest one. You know those bloody Woolworths Ushies that are oh, out yes. at the moment? They're the bane of my existence. I won't buy mm. them. But Nanny comes over with them the yep. other day and I'm like, Mom, like we're not doing that here. Like it's just promoting like excess plastic. And she's yep. like, but look at the joy. Look at the joy <laughs> it's bringing to them. Don't worry about the earth. And I'm like, oh, my God, I cannot believe yep. you just said that. Yeah, like, it's. And that's the thing, you go, well, it's a kid. You give it a box and there's joy. Like, like exactly. Let's put, you know, I totally get that. So, okay. So in terms yeah. of, like, I, it's really easy to get bogged down and start to think of, you know, like, well, what's the point? But yeah. how are we winning in terms of our climate crisis? Like, there's got to be areas where we're improving or, yeah. like, what are some great things that are going on? Well, I think, I think that, that, Trump in all his glory is actually bringing people together. I think people are going, hang on a second, this is insane. Um, and they're obviously, they're like, he, he released a whole heap of plastic straws with his name on them and sold ridiculous amount of them. What against the, I know he's such a knob, honestly. but, um, but I do think that this outrageous kind of attitude he's taking is firing people up. And there are so many countries now that are banning plastic. Uh, this, again, this doesn't sound very positive, but are declaring climate emergencies. Yeah. Um, and so I think I think that we, we're moving towards um, the kind of the the where the revolution is starting to happen. So I know that Bali recently um, banned plastic bags, which is amazing because I don't know if you've been to Bali, but I haven't, but I've seen a lot. I follow Plastic Free Mermaid as well on Instagram and she's always showing and I'm just like, holy hammer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So seeing those countries is is pretty awesome. And even like, so I know you know I went to Bhutan. (gasps) Totally going to ask you about that. Oh, my goodness. And it's it's funny because they – oh, sorry, my my child is banging on the door. Um, They (laughs) – provided us with water bottles um and in the end because it was a sustainability tour me and my friends were like oh is the water not okay to drink because it's a pretty famous place for its its water quality and they're like oh no 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 we just wanted to make sure that if you felt uncomfortable drinking the water that you had this option so so they're doing they're doing all their bit and it's like it's just amazing to see kind of the less developed countries 
doing so much with so little and we are kind of just <laughs> willy-nilly consuming plastic. So I think I think looking at them and seeing how resourceful they are, yeah. that's that's a really kind of heartening thing to me. Okay, so let's – we'll get to Bataan because I want to know all about it. <laughs> um, I've got like – oh, my God, you need – oh. Anyway, so let, <laughs> while we're here on plastic, you yeah. have a stash of must-haves at your front door to make things easier. Like yes. so that you – can make plastic free you know a lifestyle what do you usually have there to help you in going in plastic free at that front door on that amazing stand (laughs) going on there um well i think keep cups are very in vogue at the moment so i always have like the reusable coffee coffee cup um because they're good because if you go past the bulk store and you're needing a snack or something you can put nuts in there or fruit or whatever also coffee if you've got your kids you can give them water from it just from a tap so that's a pretty handy handy thing and if you don't have a keep cup just get a jar a glass jar mm-hmm. um, any cafe will take that um and i saw sarah wilson does like she puts all of her spare lucky dance on them yes. from from bunches of greens and stuff so that is the insulation um i i always have like a Tupperware container there, like a glass, a glass container, because if I'm going out and I need to get something like olives or something, if I'm having a party, um, or I could go to the butcher and get the kids some food. And most places do take your own container apart from like Woolies and Coles. I don't know why, um, but they, they generally won't. But so, but that helps anyway, because you can go to your local places and support your local economy instead of Coles and Woolies, who do take it because it makes sense. Yeah. So, um, and also just a reusable bag. I always have a reusable, a reusable bag on me because they, they just always come in handy. <laughs> I just think that's so smart, like having it there in your line of sight just before you walk out the door because, I mean, like out of sight, out of mind. So any yes. of these things is keeping them where you can see them so that you will actually, like, use them. Yeah, that's the thing. And, like, I, I don't even – I don't have that anymore because I'm just so in the in the flow of it all mm-hmm. and we moved. But um, but when you're first getting started, you need to make it easy and, like, have a couple of bags in your car. Just just have them around so that you, you just don't forget them. And I've also – I've got a friend. Um, he was just kind of starting to get into the reusable bag thing and he made himself a promise that if he forgot his bag at the end of the shop, he would have to say – no, sorry, I need to put this away. I'm going to go to my car and get it. He said he only forgot once. <laughs> ah, see, that's the thing. It's yeah. like you've just got to commit to like and get a little uncomfortable and a little bit awkward with it because that's mm. okay too. Yeah, exactly. Like you've got to, yeah, you've got to kind of hammer it in. It's, it's like any new habit. You've got to, you've got to make it hard to go back to the to the bad habit. And honestly, you feel smug as fuck when you do remember your yeah. bags and everything and you can hand it over like I've got this joke because I've always I'm most well, I can't now I've said that. <laughs> I won't have it. Like I've always got to keep cup with me for my coffee and when my friends don't, I'm like we joke like I I roll them and like full judge them, which I'm not doing, but it's just no, like yeah. a a funny thing it's just like well you know you're not you're not helping the turtles like yeah. or, 
Like, it's just, it's, you feel good doing it. And if not, like, it's just, it's not going to hurt you, but it is a habit to get into. So I know what stops so many people is they think that they have to do everything perfectly and never use plastic again. But there's a quote that is something like, we don't need a few people doing plastic free perfectly. We need thousands of people doing it imperfectly. So what's your thoughts on that? Oh, I think that's. A hundred percent. Sorry, I've just got the kids running in here. That's a hundred percent accurate. Like we're not set up like the, the society is not set up to make it easy. Um, and what going plastic free is countercultural. So mm. you've got to give yourself a break um, in, in that regard, because if you do nothing, <laughs> I mean, that's that's definitely not going to help. And the more people that do it imperfectly and start asking the questions, the more that people are going to respond, like politicians, businesses. Um, so, yeah, I think I think it's it's not being yourself up for things, mm-hmm. doing the best you can and also just opening up conversations with with people that like businesses that you go to and things like that. So, yeah, I think that's a really important one. I, I, I'm coming out of the plastic closet, but I, I still <laughs> get get a couple of things in plastic. Um, yeah. I'm not perfect and I don't I don't want to think that because some, when I've seen, I've seen some accounts, you know, where they've got the jar of rubbish and um, it's the only, only plastic they've consumed in five years or something. And that freaks me out because I'm like, geez, I have kids. I just, yeah. like... There's, there's this horrible balancing act between doing everything you can and burning yourself out. Yeah. So, for example, like, where do I give myself a free free pass? Uh, rice crackers. Yeah. Because there's also, there's, like, the, the balancing act of um, a fussy kid's taste, dietary mm. thing. My, my kids can't have gluten. Um, plus convenience, plus expense. Like, it becomes this really messy thing so yeah I think I think give yourself like a couple of things that you can't live without maybe if that's going to work for you if you can do it perfectly great (laughs) but if you can't just give yourself a break because it, it, it is hard. <laughs> but it's like even like we keep – I've always got a couple of metal straws in our purse, like in our purses. My kids don't yeah. have purses. My purse. <laughs> like and we have a keep cup in the bags. That's something – and like our reusable bags. Simply by just committing to those things at the start, Yeah, that's a great – like that's reducing it already. And then yeah. it's just like, okay – Maybe we're going to look at this now this time. And then this week we're going to look at this and then just see how you go. So, okay, now spill the tea on Bataan, please. Oh, it was so fun. It was, I I miss it so much. Um, It was so. You went on a scholarship. (laughs) Yeah. So this kind of funny story. So I am terrified of flying. Like (laughs) I'm proper phobic thinking Mar- uh, Marge Simpson running up and down the plane aisle. Like I, 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 my husband said that he won't fly with me again because he, it was just so embarrassing. Like I, 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 I get so scared that it looks like I have electric shocks running through my arms. Like I like do this weird thing where my hands <laughs> flick. And yes, yeah, so the last flight I took was 10 years ago and that was the, the, the dreaded flight to Bali where Mark said no more. Um, and it's so bad. Poor and thing. Then, it's a real thing though. It's a real phobia. 
It is, it is. And I've done a lot of research on it now. But um, it's, it's interesting because it's uh, like I'm a, I've, I've had panicky tendencies in my past. I mean, I've got anxiety and stuff like that. So it's the, it's this like melting pot of like your control completely being taken away. You can't leave. You're not driving the plane. All these things. But mm-hmm. um, oh, hang on. Let me just. Someone's calling through. I'll just decline that. There we go. Um, and yeah. So then this scholarship came up through my uni, and the, it's the Aussie government. It's a new Colombo scholarship, and um, I applied, not thinking I would get it. And then I got it. So I'm like, oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> and so because I've always wanted to go to Bhutan, it's always been a dream destination for me. But it is also one of the most dangerous runways in the world. <laughs> and uh, I was like, oh, no. So what makes it so dangerous? Is it the, the positioning of it in the mountains? Yeah. So it's, it's, you've got to fly in through like an alleyway of mountains you've got to fly between the mountains and you're only um a couple of hundred sort of meters away like the wingtip from the mountain which doesn't sound like very much but is um and yeah so so that and there's only i think there's only 12 pilots that are allowed to fly in and oh, yeah nice. and yeah them, comforting four of them are on the plane at the same time Oh. They all have to be in because you can't with the with the clouds and with the mountain, you can't um, rely off the the radars and stuff. It has to be by sight. Jeez. So yeah, so I was like, oh no. And then yeah, I had to fly to Bangkok first, and because I had I have kids, and most of them didn't. They went a lot earlier than me, so I had to fly by myself for the first oh. flight. And. Um, it was just so funny because I was sitting there and the, the last call came and my family weren't behind these gates at this stage. So I was by myself and I was like, am I going to get on? Yes. <laughs> and then I just, I just did it. I just kind of did the, the five, four, three, two, one and just got up and went. Yeah. And, um, it was quite scary. <laughs> yeah, watching but, you in the lead up, like you were on Instagram crying quite a bit. Like you were so, yeah. like the tears, <laughs> like the emotional, res- the physical and emotional response to this trip because you were so torn because obviously you so desperately wanted to go. But to get to the pot of gold, yeah. you had to, oh, put yourself through that. Up. <laughs> yeah. But I think, I think that's, I think that was one of the reasons I was so emotional because it felt, and this is very weird, but it felt like the universe was saying, you can't say no to this. <laughs> yeah. This is something that you have always wanted and now we are literally putting it on a silver platter and you have to take it. So I just knew that I just had to get over this fear and that was that was terrifying. And even like, so to, Bhutan's pretty interesting because they want to limit the amount of tourism they have and kind of control it so that things that happen to Bali, for example, where tourists trash the place don't happen. So it to be there is I think it's three hundred American dollars a day. Wow. Um, yeah, so that's the part of the visa. So I mean it's it's an expensive place to go as well. So I'm like, oh my God, I'm not gonna be able to do this without without the scholarship. Yeah. Um and I've got to just put a little note in that. That includes like your accommodation, your food, a driver, and a guide. So it's it's not just a flat fee. But um, but yeah. So then like 
the on the flight to Bangkok, I met this this lovely man called Han, um, <laughs> German guy, and because I was like, as we're taking off, I was like melting into the seat, <laughs> like I I couldn't help it. I just kind of like went and like grabbed him, <laughs> and he and he's just like, oh, you don't like flying, hey? <laughs> I'm like, no, I really don't. And I'm like crying on his shoulder, Aww. and in the end, I had the most lovely lovely flight with him like it was funny because as I was hugging him he's going oh yes I'm going to see my wife and I'm like yes I've just left my husband so oh, it's so like, it's like I'm not coming on to you yeah, I'm just really yeah. scared <laughs> this is not me trying to make a grab um uh, but he like and that's one thing that I always love with with flying even in the times that I have been very scared I've always met the most compassionate people and that's the thing like as we're going like when we went through a bit of turbulence He'd like take his headphones off and like close his computer and just be like, "It's fine. What we're doing is we're just going through this and it'll be fine." Oh, hi. <laughs> yeah. So it was really, it was so lovely. Um, and then when we actually got to to Bhutan, I actually had fun on the flight. Did you? Um, yeah, I did. Even though it was this crazy. Um, tipsy turvy really weavy thing I like again I had people who were on the tour with me who I hadn't met before who were just so kind and and I did the um the Mel Robbins thing I don't know if you've read any of her books but she she says I mean, the thing about um anxiety just being um excitement but with fear what's have you heard that that line I haven't like heard the anxiety. line, but I do. I think I know where you're going with it. It's yeah, just so anxiety's it's just redirected. Fear. Yeah, excitement with fear, sort of yeah. thing. So I kind of tried to focus on. She says to focus on the exact moment that you're so excited about, like an anchoring thought. Mm-hmm. So I was just imagining just stepping off the plane and being on the runway and just looking around at Bhutan. And mm-hmm. so every time I felt scared I was just like no I'm, I'm actually not scared I'm just really excited oh. <laughs> about landing <laughs> that's so and good it, it is it really worked and and then when I did get off like we literally did have that moment like I kind of stood on the runway and you're just in the middle of all these mountains and uh, one of my friends on the tour Patrick just like came up and hugged me and it was raining and we're just like yes so it was it was oh. really beautiful beautiful way to kick fear in the ass absolutely (laughs) and will you fly again well I'm flying to Sydney um next month I think or in in about four weeks yay you'll be almost in the hood I know so (sighs) that that was a cool thing as well because like I got I got um a work invite um to do some some eco stuff Mm -hmm. and I didn't even have to think about it I was just like oh cool okay yeah I'll, I'll do that Oh, that's so, so nice. I know that when I'm going down the little tube to get into the plane, I know that that's probably going to be a, a fear moment for me. Um, but I also know that I can do it. Cause, oh. And that's that's what I said as well before Bhutan. I was like, if I can fly to Bhutan, I will have kicked this thing. Yeah. <laughs> I can fly anywhere from there. You so. just take it with you. It's just like, okay, this is how we're going to feel right now. And yeah. you can come along for the ride, but you're not telling us where we're going. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so... So it's, it's so nice. So Bhutan actually measures their success via their people's happiness. Is that right? Yeah. Or is it something yeah. like that? 
And I thought that it would be like this really idealized place. Like I've built it up in my dreams as this happy place where everything's shiny. And when I get there, it's not going to be like that, but it actually, it actually is like, obviously there's still poverty. There's still issues in the country, but they just have such reverence for their King. And the King is just so dedicated to it. So what they've got is gross national happiness mm-hmm. and they've got four pillars to the gross national happiness. So it's like um, environment, environment is one of them. I can't remember the rest. Um, and yeah, they really, they really do work really hard to keep everything, everything balanced. And they've got this, um, oh, what's it called? Oh, the middle path, they call it. So that's one that's in their constitution. And it's, so they won't do anything that is um, not deemed sustainable. However, they won't impede human development. So Ooh. they're not going to, yeah. And so obviously that's a very, very difficult thing to do. But what they're kind of meaning, they're not going to just say no to everything. Like the people who are trying to start a business or get themselves out of poverty they're not going to just say flat no, like you can't do that. You stay in your place in society. Mm-hmm. But they won't let anything really bad happen. Like they're, they're, yeah. they're, It's quite an amazing um, balancing act that they do. And in such clever ways, like they've got the, the Royal Society for Protection of Nature and they could see that the um, people in the really rural areas um, – that they had, that they were in poverty. And so what they did is they worked with them and created um, homestays, which we, we did. We went and stayed with them. So they get paid to put up um, tourists oh. and cook, like you can cook with them, although our, our, our beautiful family didn't let us cook. Um, but you cook with them and you can go and milk the cows with them and help them out on, the, on their properties. And it's just... Wow. And it, so it preserves their culture um, as well as giving them income, as well as showing just what a beautiful part of the world it is. And the place that we went um, was Pobjika and um, it's famous for the black neck cranes that all, um, I think they come from Tibet in, in October. And so that's like quite an amazing thing. They have the the crane festival and all this sort of stuff once a year. So they've just figured out beautiful ways to, to give an income um, without destroying a place. I love that. So no, like Adani mine over there then? Like... <laughs> no, no Adani mine. <laughs> they, um, they actually have like a problem with mining because the Himalayas, because that's where, where Bhutan is, um, they're really geologically young. Mm-hmm. So if you mine them, they crumble. It's not like the Alps or anything where you could just cut them in half and separate them like pie. It's like they, they do crumble. And that's wow. another funny, funny fear story, actually. Um, the drive to Pobjika took, I think it was a nine-hour day, this drive. Wow. And I was like, oh, it's a valley, so we'll be going down. That's nice. And no, it's a valley in between two very high mountains. And... <sighs> We'd just been learning all about how bad the, the, the road quality was and especially after rain um, and it had been raining. And so we're, we're doing these like hairpin turns on the side of a mountain and then we got to this point 
and like just a massive chunk of the road was gone. Oh no! <laughs> so I'm like, no! I was meant to be over my fear with the flying. This is awful. This is now the fear and, of the driving. Yeah, and then yeah. I had to have Valium. <laughs> oh, for sure. So that... I didn't even have Valium on the flight. But oh. then the road, I was like, no. Nah. Okay. Yeah, I'm out. out. I'm, ta- I'm, I'm phoning it in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. So it's it's just been yeah a growth year. <laughs> we, we could put it like I've just had to conquer some fears this year, which has been hard, but and rewarding. it's only just August. And I'm hoping that all the hard <laughs> stuff was in the first half of the year, and now smooth sailing. Please. <laughs> oh, so if you hope that, well, everyone who's listening here today, if they could get off this podcast and just implement one thing in terms of, you know, helping towards more sustainable living or, yeah. you know, um, following Bataan's lead, you know, where happiness mm. and that middle path is key, what would you suggest or what would that be? Um, I'm going to say two things because I'm greedy. Yeah, go for <laughs> um, it. Plastic is a good place to start because mm-hmm. uh, for the reasons we've already mentioned, but there's so many resources out there. People are so fired up as well. So if you're kind of just learning the ropes, you're going to get a lot of support on that one. And so many companies are, are waking up to it as well. So like go and find your local bulk store. Um, see like when you go and get bread, go and get it from a bakery. Like instead of just, I know it's a little bit of extra work, but it's also, it's also a nice thing. I always feel like Belle from Beauty on the Beast. (laughs) Going and getting my bread. I'm so French. Yes. (laughs) There's that smug factor again. It is. And getting to know your, your local businesses. Like it's a really nice thing. Um, So that's kind of a good place to start. And then I think just, reconnecting with your community and just finding those people who are this like-minded they're Mm -hmm. like kids nature clubs or joining your local group or talking to your neighbor more because I just think we've got so far away from our humanity like and we're so disconnected that it's adding to this 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 attitude of just consumption like we're we're all about consumption and not connection anymore and I think getting back to that is just so important so yeah that would be my other one I love that Um, (laughs) and thank you so so much for taking your time to come on here and share so much of like your well that's actually just the tiniest part of your wisdom you're a wealth of knowledge Um, thank you and I hope everyone goes and follows eco with m on instagram you're on facebook as well but is what's the facebook handle uh, I think it's just eco with M and then oh. an underscore. Yeah, <laughs> nice and consistent. I'll pop yeah. it in the show notes, and we'll also um, I'll tag you in our little um, tiles and everything. Thank oh, you so awesome. much, Em. I've loved oh, this chat you. so much. No, it's been it's been so fun, and thank you for all the stuff that you do out in the world. It's amazing. Oh, you're <laughs> welcome. <laughs>